welcome back to season two, episode one of Dad's Right. Why season two? Because we decided. We always have first good times, bad times. Um, and we are not going to get to cover everything that happened over the last two weeks because there was a lot and we only have a limited amount of time. But um, most of the good times that I have found have just been happening to me in my life and not from the news or anything like that. Over the past sort of week, I've gotten mostly mostly settled into the, the new house that we've moved into in Alberta. And uh, it's been it's been nice. It's a really nice house. Um, my bedroom is definitely the least nice one. And well, did, it is, you, did you draw uh, straws or? No, uh, when I picked that, I thought it was bigger. It's sometimes hard to tell online, you know. Ah. You know what? I don't spend a lot of time in my room, and the other three people do spend a lot of time in their room. So I'm fine with it. It, it holds everything I need it to, and I'm making it work. So no, no big deal. Is um, it the smallest, or is it just not nice somehow? Oh, it's the smallest, yeah. Okay. Does anybody it's, else have an ensuite? I, I don't have an ensuite. Does anyone have an oh, ensuite? Oh, no, no, no. No one has an ensuite. Okay. But, um, there's uh, there's at the, least two bathrooms, though, right? For, for four? Yeah, yeah, there's a bathroom on each floor. Yeah. One of the rooms has a walk-in closet. Ooh. Yeah. And your there's room a is a walk-in closet. Uh, essentially, it's definitely not meant to be a bedroom. My closet is actually a storage area under the stairs that they put a rack in. Right. Um, Harry Potter's room. Yeah, exactly. And also, another thing in my bedroom is the furnace room. The um, furnace is in your bedroom? Uh, no, no. It's it's in a door. There's like there's like a little door that you open, and then you open it, and there's the furnace and water heater right. and all that stuff. So tomorrow, you need to go out and buy yourself a carbon monoxide detector for your room. I think I have one already. In your in, it... in your room? Well, no, because we bought one when I moved into my last place. Okay, yeah. So I just need to bring that into my room. I think it's just outside my room right now. Yeah, put it in your room. If you get the furnace, you get the carbon monoxide detector. All right, that's a good plan. But yeah, so I'm mostly settled. And if we bought it last year, we might, I mean, just check. They have expiry dates, so just check them. Okay. And yeah, the other thing is we get, we, uh, my roommates and I, we figured out last night how to set up a surround sound system in our, our little TV room. So that's nice. That's cool. It's not fully done yet. Yeah, we got to, we got to go get some more materials to mount things on the walls and extend some cords, but it works and it's going to be good. So yeah, that's that's what I've got for good times. And you got a good deal on a on a surround sound system. You're saying? Yeah, yeah, it was forty bucks um, for I think so, I think we found the same one on eBay for two hundred and fifty. I don't know if somebody has it really overpriced or if we got it for a steal. Nice. Uh, it's like a two thousand three Panasonic system. So, I mean, it works, though, so it's nice. nice. Um, <clears throat> anyway, some less less good times, more bad times. A recent environmental report says that Alberta's oil sands are tainting groundwater, which, I mean, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I like, don't think you need a report. To... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, anyone, anyone could tell you, at least anyone who's not stupid could tell you that the oil sands are bad for the environment and bad for water so i mean i think it's just another sign that we need 
to be moving away from that industry I and saw- making plans to move away from that industry, which the current government in Alberta is is really not doing. Yeah, I saw an ad today that uh, apparently the Tesla shingles are in the U.S. and they're coming to Canada next. So I hope that's true. Hopefully, we really we really need to start moving away from that. If we want to move away from the oil sands in a way that isn't like a shock to the system, then well, then really we needed to start like four years ago. But at a certain point, if we don't start now, then we're going to have to hit the point where we're just going to have to shut them down completely, which will be uh, horrible for the economy, horrible for people's jobs. And if we don't want to do that, then we need to start moving away from them now. And I don't think people realize that. And the the other thing is the, the oil sands are only really profitable when oil's like 75 a barrel or up, right? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. So when oil's cheap like now, they aren't running them anyway. So it's 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 on and off right now anyway. So you need, it can't be your only source of income for the province. Yeah, it's a bad system, but, um, you know, 44 years or 47 years or whatever it was of conservative governments in Alberta built almost a cult around the oil sands. It is Alberta's protected treasure. And anyone who talks about maybe moving away from that is like heresy. It's well, heresy maybe, to talk about. Maybe they shouldn't have sold it all to the U.S. then. Yeah, well, you know what? They it's never their fault, right? That, that's I love Alberta and Albertans, but the conservatives in Alberta very much have a it's never our fault. It's every other province in the federal government screwing us over and that's why things don't work. Yeah, well, that's nobody likes to take responsibility these days for anything anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Batman, the new Batman had to stop filming because Robert Pattinson has COVID. That's not good. No, it's not good. I didn't know vampires could get COVID. (laughs) It's moved across species now. You know, Uh, this is is just off topic a bit, but on the topic of Batman, I just discovered that with Waze, you can make your voice Batman. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm going to switch it. That's good news. That goes in the good news column. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, hope, hope Robert Pattinson gets better. You know, best wishes to him. And on the topic of COVID, Ontario has 169 new COVID cases, which is the worst numbers it has seen in weeks. I think maybe even more than a month. Yeah, it's and it's uh, eight or nine days now with over 100 a day, which yeah, isn't great. Yeah, so, no, and right as soon as school's starting back up. Yeah, it it's set up for trouble, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully everything yeah. works out. That seems to be so. the plan of the government. Cross your fingers, shut your eyes, and plunge in. Yeah, it's even worse here. Jason Kenney said that COVID in COVID outbreaks in schools are inevitable, and that the cost of not reopening or and the cost of smaller class sizes was uh, unrealistic. Well, I mean, there's you just need to plan around it. I think. Listen, the you're never you're not going to be able to please everyone. There are definitely students that that need to go to class that can't learn online. I was probably one of them, but you know, high school students are probably better suited to learn online and that frees up a bunch of buildings. So you could have your high school students learn online, split your public school students in half and put them in high school classes. And then you have smaller class sizes. You need more teachers. Yes. But, uh, you know, you have a a big roster of substitutes that could be brought on to fill that void until this settles down. And that's to me seems like the easiest solution. It puts, and and maybe it's not right. Maybe 
maybe uh, maybe high school is more important. So high school should be going to school, and then public school should just be, you know, one 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 week you go to school three days, the other week you go to school two days, and you have two yeah. halves that go back and forth, and you still have half the class classes, and you teach them as much as you can because it's probably not as important as high school. So that way, yeah, they're only getting half a year in. Are they going to get their full course load? No. Is it better than having to shut down the whole government, the whole economy again because COVID runs rampant? Uh, probably, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I what, so. is grade you know, uh, grade three, grade four? It's it, uh, yes, they're important, but is it as important as grade twelve and grade eleven? Probably not. So, you know, I mean, I mean, maybe it is for developmentally. Maybe it's more important. So I don't know. But you got two options there. Whatever the experts in the field say are the most important grades, make sure they get their year in, but it's still do it with smaller class sizes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would think anyway. At least that's how I'd yeah. do it. I think uh, I think everyone who was a who was a a student when you were a student would have struggled to do online classes. Well, yeah, because there was no online. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there's a better plan, and they're just not doing it because it's more work. Yeah, people definitely learn in different ways, and there's no perfect solution. I yeah. think that that's a given. There's no perfect solution. People are going to be left behind, but you can't just throw everybody back, cross your fingers, and say, hopefully we don't have another outbreak. That's not a plan. No, and that's pretty much what Alberta's doing, and it's that's, I mean, I think Ontario is only slightly better than that plan. Yeah, well, the government's put a bit more money in, and but now they've kind of deferred to the boards, which, uh, I mean, yeah. it's kind of it's it might be good, but the but they didn't they sort of did it at the last minute, so it makes it a bit tough on yeah. them. Absolutely. Uh, one other bad time that I have is we got a notice from the city just the other day that there's a chance that our water has lead in it. Well. What's, so, the, what's the chance? Uh, it doesn't give a percentage. It just says you live in an area where your water might have lead in it. If you're not the homeowner, please notify the homeowner. So we're going to notify the landlady. And uh, for now, we're, we're you know boiling water or drinking it out of big water jugs that we've bought. Yeah. I'm, um, uh, I'm, did you Google that? Does boiling water get rid of lead? I don't think so. Yeah, we, we, we Googled how to do stuff. It says... That you actually should be able to even just use cold water if you let it run for three minutes. I don't know why it works, but we Googled stuff. Most of the water, like, we're not really using water for anything except for drinking, and we're drinking it out of, like, big water jugs. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. So, until we get that figured out, that's the sort of the plan. Can you um, test it? Can you have it tested somewhere? Yes. Um, well, my roommate Alice is getting a, has ordered or is going to order soon a lead testing kit from the city. They're free. Okay. So, so we're gonna we're gonna do that, and then and then you know, once we've done that, then we'll let the landlady know if there is lead or not, and then she'll have to do something about it. Yeah, or, or not. Is it lead. just old pipes or? Yeah, yeah, I think it's old pipes. Old city pipes. Yes. Then it's not the landlady that does anything. I mean, it's the city that has to change them. Well, maybe it's not city pipes. Then I don't know. We got the notice from the city, so I assume it's city pipes. But huh. Well, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, over to you. I had a couple of good times, a couple I saw, and a couple. One of them happened to me again. It's a another free Costco plug, but I gotta say, I think Costco is the only honest propane dealer there is. Anybody else, you go get propane, and they charge you to fill the tank, regardless of 
if there's any left in the tank or not. You know, I'm we are not natural gas. We always were before, but now I have to fill up propane tanks. So mm-hmm. when one is empty, I have two. When one is empty and the other one gets down to three quarters or less than three quarters, you know, 10%, 20% full, mm-hmm. I just tend to take them both to Costco and fill them up. And Costco charges you by how much propane they actually put in the tank. So, you know, one was 11 bucks and the other one was 7 bucks, And, uh... And then I, now I have two full tanks. Whereas if I took them to one of the places around town here, they would have charged me 15 to 18 bucks a tank, regardless of mm-hmm. how much they put in. And they measure it anyway, so they know how much they're putting in. So I think it's a bit of a scam by anybody selling it but Costco. So another free Costco plug if they want to advertise. You know, we're always open. <laughs> I, I, uh, I recently watched a video where uh, a man was giving a, a heartfelt plea to city council. Now, this may be very old, but I just saw it today, where he, he wanted to rename boneless chicken wings in, in his city. I think it was Lincoln. <laughs> he, he said, uh, we need to raise our children better. Meat grows on bones, chicken wings have bones, and they are delicious. It's really quite a video. I, I, I don't know where. I, it's probably very old, but I just saw it. It was very, very funny. He came up with yeah. some some names for that they could call boneless chicken wings, but he thought that that was just wrong, which I agree. They are just they are just chicken nuggets, like they are the chicken, chicken fingers. That's what they are. Yeah, and I've said that for a while, but I've never gone to city council trying to get them to change their name. But maybe I will. He might have inspired me. <laughs> and I also saw a video of a magician. You know, David Blaine. Yeah. So he uh, he did his best impression of Up, holding uh, 52 helium balloons. He floated over top of an Arizona desert. So I don't know if this was, I mean, it looked like he was actually doing it. I don't know if it was some sort of magic. I don't know if there was something in the balloons, but it looked like that's what he was doing, which was pretty cool. See, I feel like David Blaine has gone strayed away from being a magician and is now more of just like a stuntman. Yeah, the, yeah, maybe. Anyway, that was that was pretty no decent. Magic that's cool, but there's no magic. There. No, it's not magic. Exactly. Yeah. If that's all, if all it was was exactly what he said, then there's no real magic. Bad times. Well, this is sort of beyond bad times, but but another incident in the U.S. And this was a couple weeks ago now, but we were off last week. So the uh, the Jacob Blake shooting. This was. Uh, did you see that video? I, I didn't watch the video, but I've of course heard about it. Yeah, I did. I did watch it, and he uh, he was talking to the cops on one side of his car, and then he walked around the car to go in, apparently to check on his kids. I don't know, but it's he wasn't running. He wasn't like running away from them. He wasn't making any sort of scary gestures from what the video that I saw. He just walked into the car. His three kids were in the car. And the cop comes around, grabs him by the back of the shirt, and then shot him seven times in the back. I mean, it's amazing he's alive. It's good that he's alive. But uh, crazy. Just crazy. He's paralyzed, isn't he? That's the last I heard. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's the last I heard. I don't know what the exact progress has been made. But yeah, he's not. He's, he is, uh, there's definitely going to be some issues. He says he's always in, play, always in pain and it hurts to do anything. Breathe, move. Whatever. I mean, like, it's just, it's so infuriating. 
Like, what was that cop thinking? Like, seriously, what could have possibly been going through his mind where he thought that was an appropriate response? Yeah, even if he... Like, there was something where he said drop a knife, but it's come... I don't think there's been any evidence of him having any sort of weapon. But, yeah. There's no reason. He was never... Like, if you watch the video, he was never making an aggressive move towards the police that I saw, anyway. I'm struggling to think of a scenario where, like... I, I really think that if a cop has a situation where he needs to discharge his weapon and this is clearly not one but if there is they should really be shooting to like disable so like get him in the the knees or something not the knees sorry like the calf or something yeah that's just that's just not but, really feasible you're not tra- like people aren't sharpshooters right but if you're yeah, if you're good the my, point my, where you need to shoot your weapon it's because there's an imminent life at th- threatening situation and you're taking the guy down yeah. Yeah, but okay. But my point is that if you are close enough to somebody where you can grab him by the shirt and shoot him seven times in the back, then you can hit anywhere you want. And why are you aiming in the back? Well, if you're if you're that close to somebody, why do you even need to do it? Just put some cuffs on them. Yeah. Tase them. Yeah. I think there's lots of options there. I don't. It's just I'm just struggling to find a, a logic where he feels that the gun is the best option and chooses seven times in the back instead of like some sort of disabling shot yeah i don't i don't it's it's uh, just baffling it's totally baffling it really is and yet there's people all around it wasn't you know there's multiple multiple angles and images of this videoed on many many cell phones you just wonder what he was thinking like it's just incredible and then there was protests after of course uh the protests followed and uh at least one more person was killed. I have here two, but I think I think it was one killed, two injured. I wrote down two killed, one injured. I'm not sure exactly, but a, a 17-year-old has been charged with the shooting, and he was against the protests and fell in the midst of the protests with a big machine gun and then started firing it and ended up hitting. And, yeah, and Republicans have been jumping to his defense. Yeah, well, you, you know, if you're a... Game. And if you're NRA, then you want people to carry guns, but yeah, I, but I, mean, I don't I've, know. I've seen like like today, a congressman said that he wouldn't convict the kid's name is Kyle Rittenhouse. Said he wouldn't convict Kyle Rittenhouse. I've seen tweets from people in the Republican Party saying we need more teenagers like Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse and less like Greta Thunberg. And what the hell? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, I don't. He might have felt in danger, but there was nobody right around him at the time from the video again that I saw. There was definitely lots of people. Would they have beaten him? I mean, who knows, but Why does he have a machine gun? Why does he have one? Yeah, well, yeah. They were there to help the police, and apparently there was a video where the police were seen saying thank you to them and, and giving them water and stuff. This group of armed militia that were there to help the police or whatever. But it's just, ridiculous. Yeah, crazy. There's a kind of hush all over the world. Tonight, all over the world, you can hear the sound. All over the world kept this segment as well. And we talked about changing some things for season two, and we have one coming up, but, but a lot of it stayed the same, and we might make changes as we go. But there was a report this week out of Britain 
to be fair, I think it might have been last week. I can't always say this week. Now we've been offered two. It throws me for a loop. But there was a report out of Britain that said the two-meter rule is based on outdated science because there's evidence that coronavirus droplets can travel up to eight meters or 26 feet when someone sneezes or shouts. So I don't know how you stay eight meters apart. Yeah, that might just not be realistic. I think masks are the answer at that point. Yeah, I think so too. That's that's probably why you're using the masks. It must slow that down to two meters. That must be maskless sneezes, maskless droplets, yeah. I would think. Yeah, absolutely. In India, we had a one-day COVID case increase of 78,761, passing the U.S. for most COVID cases in a day. That's That seems accurate. It feels like that maybe should have happened sooner. Yeah, and it's still, it's it's just, like I said in multiple tests, it, multiple podcasts before, that's just the people that are getting tested. I think there's way more going on in India than, than they have uh, official counts. And the Pope in his... Uh, in Popiness? His Popiness in his Popiness. Sunday... Sunday greeting or Saturday greeting or speech or whatever said, gossip is a plague worse than COVID. He Uh, he was trying to stop gossip. Gossip's bad. I I think there is bad gossip and then there is fine gossip. Because there's malicious gossip and then there's talking about stuff. Yeah, but that's not gossip. That's a discussion. I don't know. Like talking about things that happen to other people that aren't in the room. It's not necessarily malicious. Or what people like... I don't know, because I would also consider gossip like if you're venting about somebody who's not in the room, but that's not necessarily malicious because, I don't know, like I've I, I've been vented to and I've vented about people who aren't in the room and it's not malicious, it's just I need to let these feelings out before I explode at this person. So I'm going to, instead of hurting their feelings, I'm going to do it to somebody else who I know isn't going to, like, and it's not giving any personal information, it's just being like, oh, I'm so annoyed with this person because this happened and blah, 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 blah. Plus, I'm um, not sure how many. I mean, I mean, maybe gossip has killed a few people from jealous, whatever, or angry feelings after it. But I think COVID's probably killed more. Yeah, probably. At least in the last seven months. Yeah, yeah, certainly. So I, I just think maybe that he, he, that gossip's bad, but let's not let's keep it let's keep it in proportion. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, extreme athlete, and I. I don't know if athlete's the word I'd use, but that's the word he described himself as. Joseph Corbell set a new world record of for, for being in a glass cabin full of ice. The new record now is 2 hours, 30 minutes, and 57 seconds. And that's impressive. And, and then the thing that I, that I don't understand is he beat his own record by over 20 minutes. So why? Why? It's already your record. Why would you do it again? What's the point? I get it if somebody beat him and then he wants it back. Okay, then I'll get nice for another two and a half hours. But if it's your own record, what's the point of of getting into a bucket of ice for two hours? I don't understand that. I think there's... Yeah, that's true. Parts of that Guinness Book of World Record should be off limits. Like, you just can't do this anymore. Yeah, who cares at this point? Yeah. What else do we have... There was a bunch of protesters in Israel outside Netanyahu's official residence wanting him to resign uh, due to a couple things, the handling of coronavirus, and they want him to step down until his corruption trial is over. 
Well, I feel like we've been asking Netanyahu to stand down for a very long time. And yeah, you know what? He hasn't. And I don't think he's going to. Yeah. The, this is, And they actually, they came out pretty strong against Corona in the beginning and did a good job. But then they, when they eased back in and set things back in motion again, they didn't do it very well. And, and now there's they're getting cases worse than the first time around. So I think that's where the people are really upset. Yeah. Well, he's just a corrupt politician and I'm, I'm shocked he's still in power. And I, I feel like the only way he is, is through propaganda. Well, yeah. And I mean, they also, they never with the, there's always like, it's always a coalition government there. Right. And he just has a lot of pull in a lot of different areas. Yeah, that's true. Belarus protests against their president, Alexander Lukashenko, Lukashenko, and and during these protests, masked security guards are dragging people off the street and putting them into vans. So apparently, they uh, got their tips from Portland. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. If they can do it in the U.S., we can do it in Belarus. That's not a Belarusian accent. That's just (laughs) that's vaguely Eastern European. Yeah, that's what I was going for. It's just somewhere over there. Vaguely. Yeah. There you go. Courts in Iran, in the city of Shiraz, which is a great grape for wines, but not a great city if you are protesting your country, uh, sentenced a championship a champion wrestler with a, a penalty of two death sentences, six years, six months in prison, and 74 lashes for protesting in 2018 against the Islamic Republic of Iran's economic policies. If, I mean, what order do they give those out in? And, do you, and why does anybody get two death sentences? Yeah, I've heard of that before. Um, but it's the same as like people getting multiple life sentences. Yeah, but although that could be, that could if you have, um, with parole in that, especially in North America, maybe not so much in Iran, but in North America... If you get a life sentence and that's 25 years and then you can get paroled in 15 years or something. But then if you have multiple life sentences and they're, they're uh, concurrent, not, you know, they, they, then, then I think you could actually make somebody stay in jail actually for their entire life. But, but once you yeah. kill somebody, like, is this like you kill them, bring them back to life, kill them again? And you do that well, maybe, maybe after he same, spends same. six years, six months in prison and gets 74 lashes? Maybe it's the same type of thing where, you know, they there's a chance to appeal the death sentence, or like technically there's a chance to appeal the death sentence because you know in a lot of these authoritarian regimes they there's like they they try to mimic democratic organizations in order to uh, appear more legitimate. So like, you know, it's like oh we have to give him two because what if he appeals it and whatever like and there's no chance an appeal is going to go through, but. You know, they still like it's a big charade. You know, it's theater. Yeah, it just seemed it just seemed like overkill, literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and then back to India. India banned another 118 Chinese apps, including PUBG. Now, I'm not entirely sure what PUBG is. I think it's kind of a uh, what's that one where everybody fights and the thing gets smaller and smaller, and there's one survivor. I don't know. Yeah, you do. Everybody plays it. No, I don't. It's like Hunger Games, only a video game that has a... Fortnite? Fortnite. Yeah, Fortnite. So I think it's like Fortnite, but people like it better. Sorry? I don't play that. Okay. Well, neither do I, but... 
everybody does. People do. Lots of people do. So I think PUBG is something like that. I'm not 100% sure. But I do know that a lot of my staff over there play it quite regularly. So this now means that they will get more sleep at night because they can't stay up playing PUBG. (laughs) Over to you. You have any all over the world news? Yeah, I saw that 289 protesters were arrested in Hong Kong because they were protesting the postponing of election day because the government postponed election day supposedly over security concerns and sorry not security concerns corona concerns but of course this is among a lot of protests of the you know the changing of of the of the rules amongst the uh, government in beijing and the pro-beijing government in hong kong and there's you know the whole ex expedition uh not expedition uh, what's it called when you uh take a prisoner and send him to another country extradition yeah extradition a lot the extradition treaty and everything so and the government's getting more unpopular and anyway so is that the dog is that one of the dogs at your end barking yeah it is Uh, so so it's you that does it because lay has been quiet (laughs) but uh anyway chief executive carrie nam delayed the inaction people were protesting and 289 protesters were arrested that's a precursor to the u.s election when it gets delayed yeah so we'll uh we'll see how that goes i think that the when they do have their election it'll be rigged beyond belief no doubt just like the u.s election as well quite possibly it's a shame because they're uh you know sort of like the last sort of shred of democracy in china and beijing is making some serious moves to wipe that out And welcome back to TNT. This is—I feel like we'll keep this one until until it doesn't work. Until somebody loses. Yeah, exactly. It's just—it it works too well. It's too good. Yeah. Anyway, so what have we got for TNT today? Well, so saw in the news that the Liberals and the Conservatives will stop taking the federal wage subsidy. They say they don't need it anymore, which I guess is good, but. On top of that, the conservatives say that they will pay back what they used, which is, I think, a good thing. So this is this is like the top up that they got for COVID. Yeah, yeah. the 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 program that you know, like many organizations could supply us to many businesses, the wage subsidy. The conservatives and the liberals and the NDP uh, were all using it. I think the only two parties not using it were the Bloc and the Green. You know, because the Greens don't have that many people to pay anyway. <laughs> and. Uh, and so the NDP, I think, is still taking it, but the Liberals and the Conservatives say they don't need it, and the Conservatives say they will pay it back. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Probably not anytime soon. Otherwise, I'd say, well, then, if you can just pay it right back, why'd you need it in the first place? Yeah, I guess you you never know, so you but, take it. Yeah. But. So we'll see how, how quickly they pay it back, but good for them for paying it back. I'll, I'll say that. But it's a good thing. I mean, they... Doesn't surprise me. They have a fundraising machine because they're generally backed by a bunch of rich people, and they they just generally top fundraising. I think for that reason, but uh, it's still good that they're going to pay it back because that's good for you know it's a little bit of money back, and we're spending a lot of money right now, so every dollar counts. Absolutely. And speaking of which, a new report from the I think Auditor General. I forgot to write that part down, but it was a report from an important economic person in government says that the rate of the government uh, the government's increasing the deficit will be completely unsustainable within one to two years and that is not very long at all no but that's not surprising 
No, no, it's not surprising. Um, give everybody two grand a month for six months. I mean, I don't think they, I don't think the government plans on spending at this rate. I think they hope that the coronavirus will get under control and the economy will come back, and then they can they can reel some things in. But honestly, what what choice did they have? If other otherwise, people would have been losing their houses, losing their businesses. What what could they have done? I don't like. There's no. There's no. Uh, is, was there a was there a solution here or something that said what they should have done? Not that I saw. Yeah, that's just like saying. It's, well, yeah. I, I I don't think anybody would be surprised by that. Yeah. No. No. No one should be. And um, you know, I think you'll hear from conservatives that uh, they should have reeled back a bunch of stuff in a lot sooner. Um, but I think that would have been a terrible idea. Yeah. No. I um, think they did what they had to do to get the country through it we're not through it yet they're uh, they're starting to reel back uh, i think i heard there was 200 or yeah 250,000 or so 250 280,000 jobs created in the last couple months so that's a good thing yeah yeah uh, yeah uh, there's there a questioning of how 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 long lasting those jobs are but at least they're they're for now jobs so people are are working again so mm-hmm. You know, it, it's good, and but I don't think anybody plans on spending like this for two years. So obviously, it's not sustainable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they will be. I think it will be fine. I'm not actually too worried. I know our credit rating has already been downgraded, but I mean, again, I just don't think there was another option. No, there like really said, wasn't. Like it's just it's it kind of all sucks, but it's one of those things where you almost just have to like it's not worth complaining about, in my opinion. The only what else were you supposed to do? Yeah, no. The option is you look at you look at SARS from there, and you you can ext- extrapolate from there what could happen. And twenty years ago, they should have made a plan where they put some money aside for pandemic response, but they didn't. Yeah. So given yeah. that they didn't act twenty years ago, they had to act now. Yeah, exactly. Again, none of this really nothing I have really particularly pertains to Trudeau, but it is like Canadian government, Canadian politics. I'm noticing close that. enough. He's, yeah, a, he's, so. he's the embodiment of Canadian politics at the moment. Yeah, so yeah, whatever. Anyway, so the, the, a statue in Montreal of John A. Macdonald was toppled and beheaded during protests there. Uh, I honestly can't remember what the protests were about. Do you remember? No. But yeah, I, I I probably, is, probably Black Lives Matter, but... Or that, I, I that vein, so. but I, I don't know. Or, yeah, like from the police. Yeah. I'm sure it was an important protest, and we should know, and I feel bad that we don't, but all I really remember is Headless Johnny. Uh, but yeah, so that was that was, that was was beheaded, and conservatives were really mad about it. A bunch of conservative MPs sort of like rallied at the place to like defend having statues of Johnny McDonald, and they were met with a bunch of hecklers, because of course they were. And Jason Kenney, Premier of Alberta, says that if Montreal doesn't want the statue, Alberta will take it. You know, and we hear a lot of uh, arguments from them that we hear from Republicans in the U.S. about, like, erasing history and whatever. But And, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, so I don't think we need to go into it too much. But, you know, there is there is a severe negative side to idolizing somebody out of context. And I think you said once that you need to plaque, like, here's what this person did that was important and here's all the bad stuff that they did and you give a full history like you just shouldn't teach or shouldn't idolize or memorialize or anything one side of history yeah absolutely uh, and and the other thing is you can, it's very difficult to to judge anyone by by today's standards and in history and, and that goes 
you know, every hundred or 150 years, if you look 150 years before, they're not going to, they're going to say what they were doing didn't make sense. And as I mentioned before in this, hopefully 100 year, 150 years from now, you know, our grandkids will look back and say, oh, I can't believe that, you know, uh, people wore shoes that were made by kids in China. So, you know, it's, is that better than, than maybe, 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 I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Like, yeah. How do you, so how do you, you know, he, he did bring the country together. And if you're, if you're a nationalist, well, he was, which he was Kenny, one of the guys, Kenny is, he was one of the guys. Yeah, absolutely. But he was also, you know, his first prime minister, one of the main guys. Yeah. So did, was he perfect? No, but you know, I'm sure lots of, you know, there's, there's plenty of people that, you know, I'm sure the, uh, the, uh, a lot of the indigenous communities don't, don't look at those statues, uh, super lovingly you know nobody was they i think everybody was doing well i don't know i don't know i'm not sure if people knew what they were doing was wrong or not do people know like did he know residential schools when he said when they were set up was wrong or does he did he honestly believe he was trying to help people join the new world or whatever I mean, I don't know specifically about residential schools, but I remember in Canadian history reading uh, letters that he wrote to his um, minister of interior, whoever was in charge of dealing with indigenous peoples, where he was like, there was another issue where, you know, by treaty, the Canadian government was supposed to provide the um, indigenous people with certain food and supplies uh, and, you know, they had obligations, and the Canadian government didn't supply a lot of that, and there are letters that Johnny McDonald wrote where he was like, we need to deny them food to starve them into submission, and I can't imagine that he was acting in their best interest when he said things like that. Like, I can't imagine he was thinking, this is good for them. No, it doesn't sound like it. No. It was, I mean, he was truly brutal in some of the things that he said and, and did to Indigenous people, and from all indications of what i've seen and what i learned in that in that class is he he didn't care he didn't see them as you know human yeah which is i mean i don't i think they obviously were like yeah but it's i mean it's but i mean it's the same argument as as uh as the slaves then right they didn't they didn't see them as people yeah but there were also abolitionists even before then that did see them as people so it's not like it was a everyone held this belief like no, no. Clearly people were clearly capable of seeing that this was wrong and john a mcdonald just didn't yeah no absolutely I, I, hey like i said there's lots of issues there but you know i don't yeah, yeah. i think jason kenny doesn't want if to, you want to bring uh, oh sorry go ahead i think jason kenny doesn't want statues of people like john a mcdonald toppled because he knows he's not much better and uh he's trying to already kind of protect his own legacy and if you want to, if you want to, I just don't, I'm not sure, you know, yanking these down and beheading is the right way. Like it just, just, you know, why not, why not t- make a petition and then have people vote? And if they votes to take it down, then take yeah. it down properly. Yeah. A lot of petitions don't go anywhere, but I think they should, I think Montreal should send Jason Kenny the head. Huh. That'd be funny. Yeah. Here you wanted it. They can put it beside the hamburger in the parliament there. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, moving on from that, Aaron O'Toole, new leader of the Conservative Party. I don't think we mentioned that yet. You're right. We were Aaron O'Toole. Last 
the, at the end of season one, season one ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. With the leadership of the conservatives up in the air. Yeah. So in case we are your only source of news, <laughs> uh, you now know <laughs> Aaron O'Toole is the new leader of the conservative party, sort of running away with it with, uh, I mean, it wasn't as close as people thought it was going to be. I really thought, I thought Aaron, I thought Peter McKay would win. I thought Aaron O'Toole had a shot and I thought if Aaron O'Toole would win, then it would be much closer but he he won with a pretty solid margin and that and Leslin Lewis doing really well I think were the two big surprises that kind of screwed over Peter McKay yeah although um, I, I mean I, I think I, I think that night I said McKay needed to start with 45 percent or more sorry? if he I think that night I said McKay needed to start with 45 percent or more if he wanted to win because he won't be anybody's second second or third choice yeah and he well, didn't. He might be some O'Toole second choices, but but, but if O'Toole's no not leaving, if O'Toole didn't get knocked out, then oh, then it doesn't matter. You're it doesn't right. matter. Yeah, yeah. So so it was, there's that. It, he didn't. I mean, he started with he started in the lead, but it was only at like thirty six or thirty seven percent. And I think yeah, he I think lead. he finished with barely over forty percent. Yeah, and it was. It's interesting because it was the smaller ridings in Quebec where like with small conservative presences that gave O'Toole the leadership Mm -hmm. so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out Um, Aaron O'Toole is the first person to lead the conservative party since its founding in 2003 that is not from western Canada so that'll be interesting to see in a time of great western alienation yeah Um, might give Wexit a bit of uh, a bit of momentum new new federal party mm mm-hmm he has said that an election right now is not a conservative priority, though they are ready, and that his two priorities is dealing with Western alienation, and he said that that was the first thing he brought up with the Prime Minister when they chatted, and also restarting the economy. He has he has a, you know, sort of like a new leadership team in the House compiled of seven people. I cannot name them all, but five of them are from Western Canada of the seven, including the new deputy conservative leader, Candace Bergeron, who was briefly in Stephen Harper's cabinet before he got trounced in 2015. She's she's not a low-profile MP, but I wouldn't say she's a high-profile MP. She's like a medium-profile MP from Manitoba. And, uh, I mean, I can see how she's a decent choice. She's from Manitoba, which is technically part of the West. Um, she's a woman, which Erin O'Toole is not. Are you sure? So that's, I mean, two bases. <laughs> um, the, but but that's interesting. I mean, Manitoba's like kind of soft west. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. I was going to say, if you ask the Westerners, Manitoba's part of the West, you'd probably get a 50-50 response. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Wexit Party wants Manitoba through British Columbia to leave, but Manitoba's like, I mean, it's probably 50% conservative and the other 50% is like the other all the left-wing parties, but I think even the conservatives there are are less enthusiastic about Wexit than... I mean, the conservative premier has basically... You know, Jason Kennedy and Scott Moe have been talking about Western alienation and stoking it. And Brian Pallister, who's Premier of Manitoba and Conservative, has kind of just said, I have absolutely no interest in leaving Confederation. It's a terrible idea for Manitoba. Um, I'll work with whatever government we have. Yeah. So I don't think that, I mean, I think maybe you should have picked somebody from Alberta. Who knows? But the former deputy under Andrew Scheer was a woman named Leona Alslev who was a liberal until 2018, I believe, when she crossed the floor. The only person from the liberals to cross the floor during Justin Trudeau's majority government. And 
after the election, Andrew Shear made her his deputy. She's from Ontario. And once Andrew Shear stepped down, she endorsed Peter McKay. Um, and she has no position now other than MP. So interesting. Oops. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think Aaron O'Toole is trying to cover his bases. I think he's very aware that he's from Ontario uh, and that this is a Western alienation thing. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see if maybe this, I mean, if this drives more people towards Wexit. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll I, 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 uh, or the People's Party. Yeah, it's difficult. It's a big. Uh, it's a big country. Everybody has their own agenda, and they don't mm-hmm. always line up. But yeah, but overall, you know, I think I think there is a a Canadian identity that that you do get from coast to coast. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Aaron O'Toole is going to have to play a balancing act because you know he, we need to soften. He, I mean, the conservatives. The Conservatives have their base in the West. They That is their base. That's where they get their seats that they just hold on to. But there's also Western alienation. And he kind of, you know, I think they're a little bit scared of that because they don't want to lose voters to the Wexit party. But if they start focusing, you know, too much on the West, then they're not going to win where they're already struggling in Ontario and Quebec. And you need those seats to form a government. You definitely need some of them. Yeah. So if 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 he's... If Aaron O'Toole, even being from Ontario, comes out and he talks about West, 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 he's going to hold on to the seats he already has, but I don't think he's going to make any gains. He needs to not just talk about the West. He needs to talk about about unity and how, how he's going to bring it together, West and East, and talk yeah. about the country. Yeah, so we'll see if he actually does that. Anyway, the other, other thing I sort of have for under Trudeau, again, doesn't have to do with Trudeau, but New Brunswick has an election next week, maybe this week. It's between the Liberals and the Conservatives. Thrilling stuff. Looks like the Conservatives are going to get a small majority, but the Liberals could still eke out uh, a government. I mean, good for them. <laughs> sure, yeah. Go yeah, New Brunswick. Election. Cool. Yeah. It'll be, it's, I mean, it's an interesting test for having an election during COVID uh, to see how that works out. Yeah, absolutely. Is it, is, it, is it online? Is it mail-in? Is it... No, I think it's a. I think it's a mix. Okay. Anyway, what do you got for Trudeau? Uh, again, well, I'm like you. Not not a lot of mine are Trudeau specific, and probably because Parliament hasn't been happening, so there hasn't been a lot going on. But but yeah, uh, Canadian Canadian uh, government areas. Speaking, I, I said earlier, you know, that 20 years ago they should have made a plan for putting some money aside for for pandemics. Well, 20 years ago, the nuclear industry did make a plan. After SARS, they they put a plan in place, and they they have contingency plans now for when pandemics hit. Uh, as soon as as soon as COVID outbreak started going worldwide, they put them into place, and the nuclear plants have been running well since then. And that was just uh, just some good planning there by the by the people. You hear a lot of negative about about the nu- about the nuclear power plants and that, but you know there's some obviously some good people running them, and and. Uh, Oh, they were good plans twenty years ago because they work now. So well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trudeau is uh, apparently prepping his throne speech, and there's a lot of talk that's saying it's going to be very progressive. He's he's looking to push, taking some of his Corona popularity or goodwill, and pushing mm-hmm. some of his more green, uh, left wing socialist uh, ideas. So we'll see exactly how far he goes. 
Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I've definitely heard it. Uh, people comparing, or at least expecting, something along the lines of what William, William I. Mackenzie King did um, coming out of World War II, uh, using that sort of popularity to build a uh, welfare state. It's a, be interesting. To, see what happens. It's uh, he's yeah. He's does he's he's in a pre- a bit of a precarious position in that if he pisses everybody off. Yeah, uh, he won't have a government anymore. But he only needs the NDP, and I think you go a little. I think you go lefter, and and they'll be more behind him. So, yeah, exactly. He actually so kind of shores up his government by going a little bit to the left, and and mm-hmm. and I think as we've said on here before, they've probably campaigned to the left of where they're governing right now. Anyway, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting though because you know it talks about his goodwill. The goodwill seems to be running out. I mean, he was well in majority territory for a while, but right now. 338 Canada, which is a very reliable website, puts him at uh, puts the Liberals at 160 seats, which is something like a three seat gain and is 10 seats short of a majority still. Yeah, well, the um, the uh, we scandal hit him for sure. Yeah, so that's why so, that's another reason why this throne speech is important and what what you know where how uh, how popular he is coming out of it. We'll see. Yeah, it's interesting because you know the Liberals. And the NDP are looking like they're going to gain seats. The Greens are holding on, and the Bloc are conservatives look like they're going to lose seats if an election were held today, which is uh, not a good position to be in for those parties. Well, I could care less about the Bloc. Yeah, me too. But and, I mean, presumably and, the Bloc. And the, and the current conservatives I'm not huge fans of either. Yeah. The we Last week, so two weeks ago, at the end of season one, again, another yeah. cliffhanger. The we <laughs> charity we had uh, is waiting to give back the last I think eight million dollars that the government gave to them. Well, now they have fully repaid the thirty million that they received from the government. So they are uh, unhinged from that albatross that was around their neck. So yeah. they're free to go on. They're doing what they do. And I know the Georgetown High School here has uh, renewed their contract with them to do their charity work with. To continue to do their charity work with them, they've had a relationship for the last few years, and and they're continuing it. So that's good. I don't that's think good, yeah. I don't think the government picking them is necessarily a reflection on them, unless they yeah. tried to coerce their way in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If they just put their name in and got picked, that's not their fault. So it's good that no. they're not uh, going under. Yeah, no, I'm glad. I mean, most charities are good, so you know I like them. I like to have charities. Yeah. The uh, NDP is looking to recall Parliament early to approve the post-CERB programs. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. It makes sense. I mean, I mean, why have all these plans and then have CERB run out and not have any of them running? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, I think it's a good idea, but I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, uh, Trudeau's he's doing an around the... He, in the summer, typically, he does a, a tour of the country, so he's he's still doing that. He's doing it virtually this time, saving a lot of money and probably uh, the environment a little bit. So good, good on a couple fronts. But yeah, absolutely. Um, he was questioned about about his ethical compass, and Trudeau said Canadians will have an opportunity to draw conclusions on his record in election campaigns. So he's he's done talking about it, and but it's just one. It's just interesting. I wonder when he thinks the next election is going to be. If he's expecting one in the fall, as people are saying, or or if he shores up the NDP support, will he he ride it out for the next couple of years? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the average minority government in Canada lasts, uh, I believe I read, a year and a half. So we're approaching on that half year. Let's see if uh, let's see if uh, it pulls through to through two years. And I don't think a minority government has ever lasted four years, but we'll see. Yeah. Are they? I mean, with with only having the NDPs not to just keeping the NDPs on your side and the NDP being in the position they're in right now, this may be yeah. the longest minority government that we that we see. Well, it's a similar situation to what uh, Lester B. Pearson faced um, when when he was prime minister, and I think his lasted over both of his. He only led two minority governments, um, like he only led minority governments, and he led two of them, and he worked with the CCF at the time. Uh, I think it was the CCF at least. It might have been the NDP. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, and I think his lasted well over two years, so... I just thought you said the longest was a year and a half. No, I think... No, that's the average. Oh, the average. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Trudeau, when he said he's uh, on getting ready for the election, he said, we will be putting forward an ambitious and responsible vision of how to build Canada back better. Whether it's inequities within our system, whether it's the challenge of going greener, whether it's the challenge of fairness or of efficiency and growth. So even from his own words, you can see where he's going to put his priorities on the throne speech and coming back. And it it seems like at least a good starting point. Let's see exactly what his plan is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we really have to wait for. But I like I like those words. And I hope it, I hope they pull through into something into something good. Yeah. All right, Trump. Trump, it is. You go ahead. Me. Yeah. Okay. On on August twenty fourth, Donald Trump Jr. called Joe Biden the Loch Ness monster of the swamp in a convention speech, warning that the Democratic nominee's fiscal policies would crush the working man and woman. Uh, just I just thought that was funny. The Loch Ness monster, the swamp. Apparently, the the Scottish people were not very happy because they said he's called the Loch Ness monster because he lives in Loch Ness. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a weird comparison. Plus, to, I mean, I can't believe Trump's still going with the I drain the swamp thing. It, it, he 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 reinvented the swamp. It's now boggier. Now even boggier. Now even swampier. The swampiest of swamps. 71 people got arrested in a Brianna Taylor protest. It was largely peaceful, but they blocked different streets for several minutes, crossed several intersections, creating dangerous situations as traffic continued to try to make its way in the area. At several points, officers gave directions to stay on the sidewalks, and protesters were also given the opportunity to turn around and leave the area. Those that did not were eventually arrested. So... People want peaceful protests, and when you yeah. give them peaceful protests, they say, okay, well, you actually can't protest here, you need to do it here, and you need to do it quieter, and you can't block traffic, and it, it just, I mean, if they're protesting peacefully, and what it means is, a, you know, a little bit of block traffic for a while, you can route traffic around, and uh, and yeah, it's inconvenient for the people driving, but it's a peaceful protest. This is what they're asking for. So why are you arresting 71 people that are doing a peaceful protest? Yeah, it's ridiculous. We hit the 100 day of protests in Portland on Saturday. It was celebrated by protesters throwing Molotov cocktails in the streets and the police declared another riot. That's a less than peaceful protest when you're throwing Molotov cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's a i mean i don't know what i mean i don't know what the answer is there I, but well, you need the problem is i'll tell i think the maybe maybe even if even if it happened a year ago at least at least the pre, right the president doesn't care right now because always everything's about the election not that he cared before, but at least it was a chance that maybe he would have done something because maybe he figured it would look good for him or whatever. But now there's no chance. There is no chance. In fact, his whole campaign is is almost the opposite, right? He's going. He's very anti-protester. So that there's no chance that he's going to do anything to try to help these people to try to to try to at least root out the 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 racism the systemic racism that exists in these organizations the police the police forces around the country and okay. and uh so you know i don't i just don't see an end to these protests like it's been 100 days it's that's 30 percent of a year how's yeah, it how does it gonna end maybe after the election if biden wins yeah i was about to say i think that might be the soonest chance just crazy i, I don't know i just don't i don't I don't I don't know what I don't even really know what the protesters want. Like when do they plan on when do they say yeah we won we're going to stop now? What's their plan? I mean, once they have justice for Brianna Taylor? Uh, this is this is Portland though. This is more about this has been going on since since George Floyd. Maybe when the police are defunded? I don't know, but shouldn't you have a, some sort of plan laid out at least if you're going to be protesting, don't you want I don't know, some sort of organization protesting what? without yeah, an organization and a plan. What I don't, I don't know. I think they just need some sort of response, and they just haven't been getting. Well, they've been getting a response, just not the one they're looking for. Yeah, well, nothing positive. Yeah, you know. Bernie made the news again. Uh, he took to Twitter, and uh, he's trying to start the conversation of what's going to happen if Trump does not give up power if he loses the election. <laughs> Bernie, yeah. Bernie tweeted, "We." We also must consider what happens if Trump loses but refuses to abide by the results and does everything he can to hold on to power. Also, Michael Cohen said on Friday that Trump would do anything and everything to stay in office, including manipulating the ballots or starting a war. Oh, jeez. So there's a couple people there saying that uh, he might not leave as peacefully as as others. And I said that. I think they're copying me. I said that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, I, he'll certainly make a fuss, but I still think that he'll end up going because, like I, I, I've said this a few times, I don't think he wants to be president. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, Michael Cohen's just trying to sell books for sure, but but he's uh, he also has probably, if he's being honest, there's he probably has some insight into his mind, and he said he won't give up power. He doesn't think he'll give up power easily, anyway. Yeah. Well, we'll see. And on. Uh, where on, on where campaign funding has been going, Trump has spent fifty eight million on legal bills and compliance since two thousand fifteen, and uh, to put that in some perspective, uh, Obama at this point in his presidency, I guess, spent ten point seven million. So that's a big difference. Anyway, over to you. Yeah, uh, I just have two two quick things for Trump. First, he is pulling ads out of Arizona. This is after he's already pulled ads out of Michigan and Pennsylvania. Um, and maybe Wisconsin. I'm not 100% sure, actually, but I might have seen that somewhere. Um, and this is largely seen, although, you know, they talk about regrouping and focusing other places and whatever. But, I mean, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and, and Michigan are the states that gave him the presidency. And 
Arizona has been a Republican state since 1992 and is now leaning blue. So, I mean, you can't say that these are states he thinks he'll win. So this is largely seen as him giving up in these states. But if he gives up in these states, he can't win. So I don't know what his plan is. You know, polls show him gaining on, uh, on like, getting closer, narrowing the race up. But um, that is not unexpected. And uh, Joe Biden's still in the lead everywhere it matters. So it might be a closer election than it was looking like months ago. But again, who's surprised? And, and still so much can happen. But uh, I would say him pulling money out of Arizona is not a good sign. It's not a sign that they see, like, you know, oh, this is going to be easy. Or he thinks that it is going to be easy. He thinks he, he has, has enough. He thinks he has enough support there. I don't know. Michael Moore yeah, is has, as Michael Moore, who called the last election, has come out and said, you know, we can't, we can't sit back. As you know, he's on the left, obviously, saying we can't sit back, and he's he has more enthusiasm, or as, at least as much enthusiasm as as the 2008 election, or sorry, the 2016 election. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I believe that, but. Uh... We'll see. We'll, yeah, see. we'll see what happens. Doesn't I'm, other, I'm getting nervous. The, yeah, de- we'll the debates will be the debates will be key. Yeah, as they the always other, are. Mm-hmm. The other big thing is he called supposedly called the troops that died in war losers and something else that I can't remember, but degrading the troops. Yeah, I, he's, he's denied that, it. But, yeah, and it's not but, on uh, tape or anything. But I feel like it's been confirmed. Like I think Fox News confirmed the story. So. Yeah, you wouldn't think they would unless it's true, but uh, yeah, you never know. I mean, I don't know. I I heard several. It's confirmed now, so I. It would not shock me in any way. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway. But yeah, and that they're the party of the of the of support your troops, right? According to them, they're Mm -hmm. they're the they're the party of the the military, and the leaders says that just just same as. They're the party of of religion, and he's and and he's had uh, you know multiple affairs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, we've we've switched up happy as you can tell by the intro, to uh, a segment we're going to call Closer to Fine, which just is a bit more broad than happy. The stories don't have to make you happy per se, but just, you know, make you a little bit closer to fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. All right. The World Health Organization is set to certify that Nigeria, along with the African continent, is free from wild polio. Oh, so that's good. I don't know if there's tame polio that it's not free from. Free from? Yeah, I have no idea. But I mean, it's it's a good thing. I think any free from any polio is a good start. Good place yeah, to be. Absolutely. absolutely. Kentucky Fried Chicken or KFC, as I think they're now called, uh, is one <laughs> of the the U.S. largest fast food chains. Said in a news release, uh, I think it was last Monday that it would temporarily drop its finger-licking-good slogan amid the COVID-19 pandemic. (laughs) It said, the news release referring to it said uh, the phrase is the most inappropriate slogan for 2020. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny. In Revelstoke, B.C., 
a black bear walked into town and then walked right into a liquor store, went down the aisle a little bit. Uh, the owner yelled at him, and then the bear left. Well, that was nice of the bear. It's nice of him to leave. He's probably upset that he didn't get his Baileys for his coffee in the morning, but yeah, they made him leave. Apparently, there was a customer in the store that was near the door, and the bear walked right by him. <laughs> he, he was quite upset. It was a it was a tourist, but anyway, funny story. Yeah, yeah funny, funny. Uh, another one I got is a, a woman from Western Australia purchased a $26,000 alligator skin purse from France, but then it got confiscated at the border due to the lack of proper documentation. Well, that's a, I mean, that was a waste of money to begin with, so... I agree. I think it was a little bit of decadence to begin with. And uh, I think somebody at uh, at Customs Wife is getting a really expensive purse for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, geez. On Friday, with regards to the... Uh, again, when, when last we spoke, about way back in season one, Alexei Navalny, Putin's main rival, was was poisoned and yeah. uh, so friday on friday this past friday trump said we haven't seen any proof yet with regards to the alexei Navalny poisoning of course he said that just hours after the nato secretary general said that there is proof beyond a doubt that Navalny was poisoned yeah well who do you think he's gonna believe the u.n secretary general or vladimir putin yeah well he said but he said trump said nobody has been tougher on russia than i have well then it must be true it's got to be true he's been so tough so tough on them i feel bad for putin how tough he's been (laughs) Uh, i don't know you know what i put this in the wrong column it's supposed to be in a trump column but i just realized it but i'm gonna put it here i'm gonna say it anyway but it's it's the farthest thing from fine uh this is just me typing in the wrong column but there's a model that's forecasted uh the expert used to forecast the coronavirus and they're saying 400,000 deaths in the U.S. by January. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's really downer for a closer to find finish, but that's my fault. I typed it in the wrong column. That's supposed to be in the Trump column. If you want to fast-forward your podcast, listen to this and go back and listen to the rest of Closer to I think it's to too late. But I can hear this. There's no fast-forwarding. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. Yeah, you can't rewind <laughs> it. Oh, well. And now the end is near. You know what? As we move into parting thoughts, I'm going to continue the trend of this should have been in bad times, but I think we should mention it. Chadwick Boseman, the actor who played Black Panther, passed away, you know, about a week ago from colon cancer after apparently a four-year fight um, that most people, you know, in the world and in the industry and everything, and of course myself included, didn't even know was happening. Like, I did not know he had colon cancer. But, um, you know, uh, um, Black Panther was... Really, I mean, it's it's a fantastic movie for so many reasons, but it also has, I think, very very real, and and potentially very large, social implications for, you know, like and especially in this time of, you know, large, Black Lives Matter protests and uh, um, huge racial tensions. Um, movies like that are important, and Chadwick Boseman was, I think, an idol to to many. To many, and rightfully so, um, and it's uh, it's it's a, a man gone too soon. Yeah, it was it was shocking the day that I heard that. It was it was definitely 
Too bad. And, and again, I didn't know either, but he kept it to himself and did a lot of his movies uh, while he was then going for surgeries and, and having uh, treatments for it. So couldn't have been easy for him. No, no. So that's, that's, I mean, that's very sad. The NBA's Milwaukee Bucks decided to boycott game five of their playoff series. And then, then other, many other teams followed suits, but uh, the games are, have been all rescheduled. Which is, uh, you know, I it was it's good that they, that was right after the uh, Jacob, Jacob Blake. Blake, right after the Jacob Blake. Yeah, there was there was thought that they might just walk away from the whole thing because they felt like maybe they could do more outside the bubble, but they yeah. they they did eventually come to an agreement and uh, and and felt ultimately felt that their voices will be heard more if the games are going on, which is probably true. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. tend to listen to anybody, but maybe the biggest stars outside of the outside of when this the season that they're playing in. I've heard a number of people, especially uh, sort of uh, black NHLers. The NHL did cancel some games, but it was largely seen as uh, uh, just sort of following suit because they sort of felt like they had to. There wasn't a lot oh. of uh, like the NBA is doing things like. Uh, making their arenas available for polling stations. Like a lot of these things were part of the deal for them to come back. And they put a lot of m- things in place to to uh, make sure that, that their their feelings and their the movement in general progresses forward. Whereas the NHL really didn't do that. Now, sh- sure, a lot of the arenas are shared, but it wasn't part of, of them coming back. It wasn't part of their plan. So they took some days off but they didn't they didn't really make any sort of plan which was or any sort of inroads which was a little disappointing but uh, still you know they they did take the time off they when they started the games up again they had uh normally each team lines up on their own blue line so they intermingled back and forth amongst the blue lines the two teams so they did a few things but but nothing super meaningful but hopefully they will yeah hopefully we'll see and one more thing that I saw as I was scrolling through some news articles, and this may be, uh, may be something you can look into, the University of Alberta library staff are stitching the curve. There's 11 staff members so uh, that are knitting, so one for each province and I think one for the territories, and they're, they're knitting the COVID curve, and darker colors represent fewer cases. And then once it's complete, all the pieces will be stitched together into a blanket. So I thought that was kind of cool. If you're that is very new. if you're near the library there, you can you can maybe take a picture and we can put it on the blog or something of I'll how go it's take going. Li- yeah, library open. Yeah, that seemed kind of cool. Yeah. So all right. I think that's it. Our first one, uh, well, with you there and me here, we is in the books. You and Alberta, a few thousand miles apart, but managed to get it done. There was a occasionally there was a little bit of feedback, which people are going to hear on the podcast. So, well, I don't know what I think it was just delay in the phone call. But maybe we'll try the next one over Zoom or something, see if it gets any better quality. But yeah, bear uh, with us, dear. Yes, <laughs> both of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, well, well, I'm sure we'll we'll talk to you again next week, and. Uh, We'll see what happens over the week, and hopefully your school is progressing all right, and we can maybe hear about it then. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Bye, folks. Bye-bye.